So before I begin my sermon this morning, I want to take this opportunity to express my appreciation to our principal and the staff, many of them who are here with us this morning. Please stand and let us show our appreciation to them. We are very blessed to have a very vibrant school at St. Joseph's because in the news these days, it is uh, Renew My Church. Schools are closing down, parishes are closing down, and uh, we are very blessed to have not only a very vibrant parish, but also a vibrant school as well, and one that continues to excel in every way. When I write a sermon, I usually go through scripture, and I go to commentaries, and I try to get a message that would be relevant to today. And then I tried to get something that would be a good opener so that people would get their attention. And sometimes it's very difficult for me to get what I would call a good opener. And I was struggling in this gospel in particular because I had a choice of going maybe in a very kind of negative way or maybe in a positive way in, in understanding the scriptures that we have today. So then they announced the Oscars, and I kind of got an idea. Now, you'll have to be patient with me, okay, and play along with me, because what I have here is, can you see this? A Band-Aid. Who said that? Here, thank you very much. Yeah, it's a Band-Aid, okay? So that's kind of my opening story. I think I have your attention a little bit. But there was, did anyone ever hear of Band-Aid, not this Band-Aid? What was it? Butchel Singers? They helped, very good. A bunch of singers came together to um, help people in Africa, in Ethiopia, back in the 80s, who were undergoing a dreadful famine. And what happened out of Band-Aid came another big concert called Live Aid. And Live Aid happened uh, because of Band-Aid, which was uh, a song that they sang of, Don't You Know It's Christmas, something like that. And then some of you are nodding, so you know I'm not good on music, so I'm in the correct area. And then Live Aid came along, and Everybody remembers Live Aid because of Freddie Mercury and his uh, performance at Live Aid, and everybody remembers that. Okay, are you still with me? Okay, I'm coming back to the gospel in a minute. So the reason why, if, he, if, the, if the movie gets an Oscar or whatever it is, I can nearly guarantee you're going to show the scene from Live Aid and, and, and the performance there. And what, I, what I'm getting at is everybody remembers that performance, but very few people remember the purpose behind that performance, which was to show care and concern for the poor people in the world, especially those who were dying of famine in Ethiopia in its time. So that's where I wanted to go. And that's kind of my message, how, how easy it is to forget 
the most vulnerable people in the society in which we live in. That is why this gospel is, is, is you know, if anybody ever wants to say, I, I want to find myself, I, I have no purpose in life, I, I need meaning in my life, my life is empty. What you have to do is go back to this gospel and there's the answer to everything. You don't need to go to a psychiatrist, you don't need to go to a therapist, you just have to do exactly what it says in the gospel of today. So this gospel comes at a very important time in the life of Christ. He underwent a very profound religious experience at the hands of John the Baptist. The heavens opened and God spoke and said to him, you are my beloved child, in you I am well pleased. That was a very profound experience for Christ. It was the beginning of his ministry as the son of God. But the first thing he had to do was, he had to go into the desert and he had to figure out, what does this mean? So sometimes you will discover a meaning by, I use the word, disidentifying with something else. So for example, Jesus had to, and he was tempted uh, personally, he was tempted socially, and he was tempted religiously. So the temptation means that it was something he could do, he had the power to do, and there was a desire in him to do it. So as the beloved son, was he going to act in a way that was selfish? Or was he going to act in a way that was caring for other people? And let us remember that temptation was there for Jesus. Was he going to be indifferent to the suffering and the poor, or was he going to do something about it? That was a very real temptation for Jesus. And then when it came to socially, was he going to look for fame and fortune? Or was he going to be a person who was kind and good to other people? And religiously, was he going to use God in a way that like, be like a magician that would uh, bring about awe and shock and like juju? Or what is it? was he going to be a person who reflected God in intimacy and in forgiveness for everyone? So these were what Jesus had to struggle with, and it is something that we should pay attention to because they are decisions that we have to make about our own lives as well. Are we in line with Christ uh, physically, socially, and religiously, spiritually? So Jesus sorted all of that out, and then he enters into the chosen, the promised land. Just as Moses led the people into the promised land after being in the desert for a long time, Jesus now leads, leads his followers in and gathers his followers when he is there. And the very first thing he does is he goes into the synagogue. And everything is deliberate. He deliberately chooses Isaiah, that great prophet, who said that someday God is going to restore the world into the place that God wants it to be. And he goes to this specific passage, and he reads. And the, and the three things he emphasizes. Uh, God has chosen me to give liberty to captives. He has asked me to restore sight to the blind, 
and to let the oppressed go free. Liberty to captives, to restore sight to the blind, and to let the oppressed go free. And that is what his, that gives there, that sums up his teaching completely and sums up his whole purpose in life. And it is the word today, this passage is fulfilled in your hearing, that it is in him that very teaching is fulfilled. It is in him and in every person who encounters him that that comes alive and that is fulfilled. And that is what he wanted to bring about in the kingdom of God. That is what God wants for each one of us to experience through Christ in our own lives. To experience liberty, to experience a restoration of sight if we are blind in any way, and to to um, and, and to free those who are impressed. So this is what God wants for us, but he also wants us to bring about in the world today. So when we, when we listen to what Christ is saying, we have to pay very close attention to it because it is something that he wants to make a home in us. And he wants us to be agents of this in the world in which we live in today. I do find it amazing that while I was preparing these words, I spoke to somebody, and uh, the person is involved in politics. And he said, you know, Libertyville and Lake County is, um, is, uh, ranks in the top 1% of wealth in the entire United States. So Lake County, where we all live, ranks, I think it comes in at number 31 or 2 of the wealthiest counties in all of the United States. And he also said then that there's about 40% of the people who live in Lake County have no religious affiliation whatsoever. Now that doesn't surprise me. And it doesn't surprise me because of the next, uh, the next figure he gave me. That he said that there are probably between three to 5,000 children in Lake County who sleep on the floor and have no beds in their houses. And I've done sick calls to certain parts of Zion and places like that, and uh, there is the most dreadful poverty there as well. So the richest county, one of the richest counties in the United States, and there are probably three to 5,000 children sleeping on the floor who have no beds. And we have to listen, and 40% and, and have no religious affiliation. It is amazing that the rich spend most of their time protecting their own wealth and living the dream for themselves. And there's where I'm going is that's why it is important that we have religious education for children and especially that we have a good school because the purpose of the disciples of Jesus Christ is to keep today, today. 
that we make reality what Jesus said today. This is fulfilled in your hearing. And that is why what a church purpose is, especially for the kids to say that they have to keep the message of Christ alive today to make it a reality now and here, here and now. And that is what we are called to do. I would remind you that um, we do have a bed-making ministry at St. Joe's where you can actually go and hammer nails and cut wood and plane it down and build beds. And you can go and deliver them to these kids who have, don't have beds. It is shocking that there's not a queue, a line there for people to get up. I can make a bed, I can paint a bed, I can decorate it. I can saw wood, I can do all of these things. It is a pity that, uh, that uh, the gospel of today, that some priests are focusing on the psalm, some people are focusing on the first reading, some prayers, but there's very few of them actually focusing on the core words of Jesus Christ and what he says he is about because what he is about, we are about. So I would invite you to listen closely to that gospel message, and particularly to listen to the word today, the first word, adult word, spoken by Jesus. It's not saying someday. He's not saying yesterday. He's not saying maybe. He is saying today. And that is why it is important to be a community of faith, that we bear witness to Christ by keeping alive today. That is why our school, in its formation of the children, must keep alive the word today and to make that a reality here and now. And the same goes for our religious education program, which is much larger than our school. The importance of educating all of our children for the future to keep alive the word, the first word, that Jesus spoke when he lived among us, and that was the word today.